anyway. All right. Hey, welcome back to another podcast broadcast of uh, the alignment discussion meeting of conscious creators. Um, today, we have a very special guest with us, and his name is Java. And we always like to open up the segment with we're just going to basically ask Java how he arrived here in front of us today. Yo, you have yo. a you have a path that you got to, and so, uh, so I check guess, in with everyone. I guess to go ahead and start out, um, first thing I did to say I arrived here was deciding that I really wanted to go off and follow my truth and see where it took me. Um, I visited LA about two times, fell in love with the place, and I had a lot of things going on back home. There was just kind of like it was just too many distractions for me, and I realized it wasn't like. It just wasn't really who I was as a person. And I, I kind of fell in love with L.A. and walking down Venice Beach. It was just a certain feel and certain like kind of vibration where I was like, you know, like this just works. Like it just it just you just know, like this just works. And I was able to look around and see like, a thousand different types of artists. And it wasn't just it didn't feel like it was just one picture. So I jumped on a plane solo and just went to went to L.A. and then decided to just go venture and just find my future from Dallas, Texas. Yep. From Dallas. And so how long ago was that? Um, so it's been about two months. Uh, yeah, about two months off and on. Uh, I went back for a little bit just to go see family and just to like save up a little bit of money and not have to be in hotels for a little bit once I found uh, the house, found Rose House. So I went back for a little bit just to save a little money because I was blowing through about like 100 a day on hotels. Looking yeah, for a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just looking for a place to stay and just find a job out here and just getting the hang of everything. But I mean, the actual first trip, though, I've been out here for about two months. Cool. Wow, that's fucking brave. Like, you know, doing anything. These, you, so you basically just said, took a look around and said, all right, I'm going to go. You, so you had the scouting mission. So you yeah. went out to L.A. on a scouting trip. And you were like, you didn't know it was a scouting trip. But you're out there and you're experiencing it. And then did you go back home? And then when you started contrasting and comparing your experience in Los Angeles to where you were at home, and then that's kind of when you made the move? Or? So I've always like had like, like in high school, like growing up, it was kind of like the thing, like it really started in middle school where I just kind of noticed, like my mom said I fit in with like everyone. Like I was like kind of a chameleon, but I never really saw it. Like for me, I find I, I kind of felt like I stood out. I was able to fit in. But like mentally, I felt like I never really associated with a lot of my peers and like it kind of it, it reciprocated. Like they kind of noticed that I was very different. I kind of like got bullied for a little bit and it like never really was like what pushed me out. But it was just kind of like what made me like think like, well, why do I get bullied? Is it a bad thing? And like for a while, I thought it was a bad thing, but kind of like growing and like focusing for a while, I was like, you know what? Being different isn't horrible. And then it kind of drove me to like realizing like, OK, I'm probably just not like the circle of everybody I'm around. I'm probably just meant for being away from this distraction of these type of people. And like, it's just not like my scene. And so I- How old were you when you started having those kind of insights come to you? I was as young as like 10. I was like as young as 10 whenever I just knew. I was like, I'm not like my peers at all. I'm not really just focused around and looked at it. Because it's almost like the culture is trying to indoctrinate you. Like, this is how we do it. You're going to listen to this music. You're going to act this way. You're going to like follow the Dodgers. You're going to like all these things that they indoctrinate us into doing. And if we kind of push back, I remember being, I'm 48 years old. And I remember there was a heavy indoctrination in my generation. And then it was just not any particular thing, but just like, this is what we do here on earth. This is like, this is what's been handed down to my dad, to me and we do these things we act these ways we you know it's like my father wanted me to be a football player and be uh, uh in the military that's true and i'm an artist 
Yeah. And I was like, I bring him paintings and I'd be like, check out what I drew. And he's just like, that's great. But like, you know, what's up with this thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and, exactly. And, uh, and so there was, and, and so it takes a lot of courage and a lot of people hurt themselves over that. So like, instead of like, cause you're in a way where the culture is offering what it's offering and you're kind of intuitively going, eh, this isn't really my speed. No, I'm not. This isn't my get down. Yeah. But you have the presence at 10 years old to be able to recognize that and not hurt yourself. Cause a lot, what I did way back in the day, I had a similar thing. I did do the chameleon thing and I totally, I became the class clown. I became whoever people I wanted to see. I just, be, I got, I created a trauma avatar yeah. and I just became a character. I was like a little, like a little Takashi six, nine or some kind of persona or something. No, exactly. There was no authenticity happening. It was just waiting for someone to stop talking so I could start saying something. And that's, that's what I did in a sense is because like when I realized I was getting bullied at first, that's when I was like, I realized, like I thought it was a bad thing. And I was like, what would it take to not get bullied? And that's all I was focused on for so long. And I was like, maybe that's just what people are hurting is. you. Yeah, exactly. And like, my thing is I would never hurt myself, but um, in a way I was hurting myself because I used to always move around a lot. And it was one of those things was what I learned was when you're the new kid in school, you get eyes on you. And so sure. I would naturally like lie a lot. And it wasn't really like big lies, like, oh, like things like this. It's just, we were like uh, growing up with a single mom. We didn't really have it like that, like all the time. Like she always like made sure I had what I needed, like the necessities. But when it came down to it, I didn't have the newest pair of Jordans every single time they they dropped. I didn't have this. I didn't have that. But if I could like say I did, or I say that I know this person who has this, it made me feel cooler, and it always gave me like a way in with the it crowd. And then once I realized that really doesn't matter, like being with the it crowd, and like I started going to parties and things like that, in, like my junior year, and like doing like going there so often, I was just like. This is kind of like the same things that was going on with the it crowd is going on with the geeks or whatever you want to call them. Like, it's just the same. It's still the same circle. You still get people who get bullied in their circle. It's just the same thing with the end of the day. So when I realized I was like, you got to find something that's inside of you. And music is what saved me. And that's kind of what I toned down on the whole line thing and trying to fit in. Inside of you. To, you yeah. found something inside of you as yeah. opposed to. Because, you know, I mean, for so the natural reaction there would just be like to succumb more and integrate into something else. And you had the awareness as a little guy to go, oh, it doesn't matter if I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement. Yeah. Or if I'm over here on the football field, I'm with my lacrosse buddies. There's still this domination, not 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 being dominated. There's still these basic things that are happening within it's like tiny pyramids within the huge pyramid structure exactly it's like that's the societal structure and it plays out in a bunch of different ways and so for me i was like whoa like that's pretty limited like i was like there was nothing else available for me to plug into is that what you were saying too yeah. so then you found that escape through music yeah have you watched Perfect. uh have you ever watched the movie uh love don't cost a thing as nick cannon in it What's it called again? Love doesn't love don't cost a thing. Mm -mm. It's got Nick Cannon in it, Steve Harvey. It's got a couple of different stars in it. Um, but basically, the premise of the movie is this guy, like the main character, he wants to be popular, so he pays like this popular girl to pretend to be his girlfriend. So she ends up starting to kind of like feel for him and fall for him. But once he lets the popularity get to his head, he's had a crush on her for a long time. What's it called again? Love Don't Cost a Thing. It sounds almost like Can't Buy Me Love, another movie from like when I grew up. Might be, but keep might, going. Might be very yeah. similar. But um, so he like he always had a crush on this girl, and like that was his main focus was like being popular. 
and had a crush on this girl. But the closer he was getting to her and she started giving him the recipe of being popular, he shifted the focus from like, oh, he had all this time in the world with her. He could have chilled and been with her and like just been popular regardless, just from like getting in and like them actually realizing her. like, yeah, vibe, yeah vibing dude. out. But she started to fall for him. He started getting popular, got the manual and just kind of was like, mm, I'm off it. And just wanted to like kind of hurt her in a way. And then like there's a scene like where he like cheats on her like in the movie and all types of other things. And his release before like the whole popularity was he would make cars with his friends. So the reason I say this is like that's kind of like me with music. Like him with the like the making of cars thing, like he used to always like he would go into it, he like make these cars with his friends, and then like there was this one day he ran off with it and then just like flexed the car as if it was his when they finally finished it. It was just like nice height rod like pimp my ride type car they had like a laptop inside of it and all types of things and that was like his last like stunt of being popular and so the girl finally exposed him and was like look i made you like I made oh. you. Like, we made a bet you pay me to be popular and basically what it was was since he knew how to fix cars he fixed her car he didn't actually pay her like money but he fixed her car and so she once she exposed the bet and everything he instantly became not popular and life hit him again. Oh, bro. So once Whoa. the bed gets exposed, he's sitting there kind of like thinking like, well, what does really, what really matters? He was still able to get the girl back at the end of it. Yeah. Oh, he well, he did. He said, yeah, she at came the, around. At the end of it, she came back around once he went back to being his normal self and owned up to, I'm a geek, I'm a lame, these are my friends, it is what it is. I like to build cars. And then once he went back to his true self, but you watch the whole movie and you see the evolution of what it, like what this uh, thought of what you think you need in life, like the wrong perception can do to you and almost like just take you to a, a different place like you'll end up on a whole wrong path because you're focused on the wrong thing when you originally had a different goal wow that's fucking so yeah that's absolutely um that's the trauma avatar basically in a nutshell i mean that's basically what we're dealing with and um being able to just recognize who we are within a culture that's constantly pulling us like you, when you go through Instagram, for example, or when we're comparing our outs, our insides to other people's outsides, yeah. like looking at, like, I, I just recently was like, wait a minute. Like, I don't think I'll ever be a billionaire. Like, I don't think I'll ever have like a bunch of money. Like, I don't think this is not important to me, but like spiritual dollars, like moments shared like this, like conversations, like authentic, like learning to be authentic, learning to stand in my, whatever it is, whether I'm a nerd or a geek, whatever the label is, that's put on it. Yeah. But for me to be able to finally, so like 50 year old man dance my dance as me as asher greg you know and it's funny because it, that's i was born robert gray gallagher so and robert's a family name it was my grandpa's name it's my stepdad's name they kind of turned into bobs i never really resonated with yeah. it and so i was like the beginning of me becoming asher was having the the courage to say like there's a whole bunch attached to robert like i have attached a lot to robert up to that point in my life i was like 43. And I said, all right, like I'm, I went to this Vipassana thing of this, to this 10 day spiritual meditation and um, in meditation, the name like came to me. It was like very profound. I've shared that with you. I, I don't want to get into all that there, but the, but the point is, is going into society where society's known me as Robert or Rob G and everything that's attached to that. And then going, no, I'm Asher. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not. You're Rob G. And like people like you were talking about the people like well, you can't change the Nirvana song from like like that's the way they plays that guitar part. Exactly. If you change that or you start to cut that up, then I don't have the same dance I'm doing with you. Like you you're gonna be Rob, right? I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. 
All I know is that like I am Asher now and I'm in the state of becoming and my guides, my higher consciousness says it's going to take me about seven years to fully become Asher. And there's going to be a lot of days where I'm not going to feel very Asher at all. Oh yeah. And when I'm regressing and I'm going back into my trauma avatar on those days, it's going to be a lot more. I want someone to call me Robert, like to give me a blanket during a thunderstorm. Like I just felt, I want to be Robert. Just go back to Robert's like the crabs in the barrel. Going so let back me ask you, thing. what are your distractions? Like, are you a social media person as well? Like, do you feel like social media is an aspect or family kind of pulls you in? Like if you go see them on Thanksgiving, like they, they'll call you by your natural name or like, what do you think is like the pool for you? Well, at this point, that's what conscious creators is. The process of conscious creators is, um, it's basically asking someone to say, okay, like you have a trauma avatar, like you have a character, you have a persona. I, Asher Gray, I have Robert, Rob G was, had a persona and it was built upon some patterns of behavior that supported a belief system that I cultivated in response to decisions I made as like a six or a seven year old. Yeah. Things happened that I didn't understand that were way above my pay grade. And I decided that there was something wrong with me. Yep. My sister decided that there was something wrong with the world. So she became a banker and went to Wall Street. I decided there was something wrong with me and I ended up becoming a convicted felon, drug addict, homeless person. Okay. So for me, it wasn't so much, I mean, yeah, you know, like the external, the family stuff, like there's a bit of that. But for me, it was literally going like this, this, this everything that I am, who I believe I am is literally like killing me. Yeah. And so I, I just need to recognize what patterns are running this, like get very like quiet. I went away for like 30 days. I just didn't have a cell phone. I didn't do anything. And I meditated like five hours a day. And I started to see these patterns. And I started to see that I was like the, the, the trauma, trauma avatar, the character of Rob G that I've been building since I was like five or six years old was living off patterns of, you know, believing that he was unworthy. He was incapable that other people needed to do things for him, that he was a victim yes. and that he was un not worthy of love. And that way that that would play out for that trauma avatar, that character that I built is whenever there would be creative neck recognition or whenever there was like in that movie, for example, like if that dude in that movie you're talking about fundamentally believed he was a nerd and he wasn't worthy of love and he was paying this girl yeah. in order to get some hot chick to like him. Like he believes he's unlovable. So as she started to love him, that brushed up against his beliefs and he had to discard her. Exactly. I mean, there was that external thing happening of him getting swept up into all the bullshit. But I can remember many a days where there was a solid present woman who wanted to love me. And as she got closer to me, I had a very unfortunate reaction to her. And I would start to project that she was a secret destroyer, that she was going to do things to me. Because I grew up with... I grew up with a single mom who was overwhelmed, emotionally unstable, and an angry sister. And so there's a lot of dangerous feminine energy around me that when these women started to get closer to me, they would activate all that and I would discard them and push them away. Yeah. I grew up with all women. I grew up with all women like in my house. Like I am uh, the me, I'm like the first like grandson and um, my my little uh, cousin, Devin, he is the second grandson, and he's about two, I believe. So Two? Yeah. Oh, he just got here. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Yeah. He's just, yeah. He, we're, it's pretty much all-girl family. My uh, my grandpa, he has, well, I have two aunts, basically. So my grandpa, he had three daughters. So that's kind of like the main premise of, like, my closest side of my family. So 
I grew up with uh, in my household. I think the most we had at one time was um, it was my mom, my stepdad at the time, um, my aunt, and then her twin, my, her twin daughters. So my twin cousins. So it was like all of us in the house. And Did you connect go. with the stepdad at all, or was he just kind of there? Mm, that was the only other male. That's where the figure music, around. That's him, where right? the music kind of came in because he uh, he was actually the one who like uh, was producing in the house and always like uh, that's kind of where our mutual grounds was. Was music was kind of our grounding, but other than that, I can't say there was much of a connection other than probably music and video games. What a blessing, like we, though. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you I make music now. And exactly. That's what oh, you yeah. do. So he was definitely like your Eskimo into that world. Oh yeah, definitely, Beautiful. definitely. And then that's like kind of what helped me with like the distractions. Don't have anything was going on in the house, but I would just put my headphones on and have something to rely on. Like it was never anything to where like I felt lost after finding that. So I mean, if I didn't have them in my life, I probably wouldn't have like the number one thing to help me make it through life. So that's what kept us the closest. But at the end of the day, we didn't really have like a lot of like personal like bonding moments. It wasn't yeah, really, like a lot of like things like that where it was like we're just super buddy buddy. People well, yeah, you were kind of in. You guys were in it. You guys were like people don't get it, and I love women. So everyone out there, I'm not saying anything about women right now. I want to like just make a distinction about conscious creators because what we're doing is we're making things much more dynamic and much more. Um, we're, we're just taking what's always been and looking at it through a magnifying glass. And yeah. what we're saying is, is that me, Asher Gray, or you, Java, when I am in fear, I am reactive. And when I am in fear, I, I need control. Like a kid with a thunderstorm coming. I want my blanket. Like when I'm, the more fear I'm in, the more I need, the need for control comes. Yeah. And so in some people that manifests is like, I'm going to control everyone around me. Other people are like, control me. That's true. Uh, and so, but the fear is the activating agent. So a self that is perpetually living in fear and needs control, that's that trauma avatar. That's a dip. We live, we tend to live inauthentically from that trauma avatar. Oh, there's something making us fearful like that. If there's nothing happening, if there's not like a wildebeest coming at us, or if our house isn't burning down, if our bank account's not empty and our kid's not visibly f like starving to death in front of us, why are we so afraid? Yeah. And that is a very different self or human being the ex expression. And we're going to get into this in a second, but that's a different person than a person who is not in fear, who's open, who's exactly. receptive, who responds to their moments rather than reacts to them. Because yeah. when we react, we turn on that narrative and those beliefs become our reality. We disconnect from truth. That's true. And for me, I'm what I'm hearing you because I've, and I've, learned a little bit about you prior and i resonate with the fact that like i think we both kind of like learn to dissociate in certain ways yeah there was this chaos happening but we learned a way to dissociate so we could give the appearance of being there but we're not there at all exactly We've already elvis has already left the building yeah and that's an art form right and to touch back to touch back on like what i was saying about like when i would like lie to fit in i found like it never really was an issue until like I finally landed in a place where I stayed for too long. And so things <laughs> obviously, you know, things aren't lining up where you said this happened, but this happened, or you stayed here, or you're from here and things like that. It's like, you're eventually going to get caught up in lies. And what kind of like made my number one song, which is funny that like you touched on ego earlier, my number one song like, that really kept me like pushing into like, I've always been on the producing side. I've always like, I love the aspect of just what goes into music, whether it's for movies, video games, whatever. Like, I just love the production side. But what got me into really, like, 
rapping. I was making silly songs at first, but what got me into taking it serious was like the aspect of this one day I wrote like kind of like a long spoken word poem and I titled it. I, well, I really, it had no title initially. It was untitled and it was untitled rant. I just went in. I just talked about everything that was going on in my life. Can you and, share a little bit of that? A couple of excerpts from it right now. Do you feel comfortable or no? Um, Do you remember it? Or So, I mean, the first line alone is been pissed off in normalcy. So y'all are doing smoking weed, munchies, and I'm catching disease. And that's like, I mean, hey, I'm still doing that now if I'm just being completely real. But the fact that I was able to analyze that, that I made it. That feeling of everyone said the same thing. If you ever went through anything in middle school or high school, I made ego death right after like graduation and just having that like solid blank space feeling of like, none of that shit mattered. Like what if you were getting picked on or if this person like used to bother you every single day and you knew you hated first period and all that, none of that mattered. So when I made that, it was when I was in that blank room. Like what was that blank feeling feel like? Like when nothing basically matters none of this shit that i was describing like with the the narratives and the beliefs and the story about why and what it means to me yeah bringing it back to our lingo yeah right like just being devout of that and surrendering your investment and all that and just being a blank canvas for a moment exactly. is that what you're saying yeah and okay. so i went it was my i would say it was like my first week after graduation and just like this is from like, high school yeah okay yeah first week after graduation just like feeling like what's next because I didn't enroll to colleges I didn't I knew I wanted to do something creative with music and I like I said I never really I didn't have an exact lane I wasn't like I want to rap I want to put my voice on a track even though I was already doing it it wasn't seriously like taken serious until the moment of when I had this written out and I had no beat for it and it was just kind of like I wasn't planning on rapping it until I went through kind of like a bad breakup and it that was like what really like pushed pushed like okay I'm gonna go record this today like I was like, well, just initially I was just gonna record it. I didn't plan on releasing it. That thing, I was like, I don't care. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go. I Can I like, ask you a question about that breakup? Yeah, go ahead. So, because like you brought up the the story of the the that movie you were talking about, and a lot of times these breakups they kind of are a death of the trauma avatar or the ego death. Like so, there was you know because obviously if you're kind of a my like if like you're nomadic a little bit, you never really were st- stationed. Like, oh, like I never let anyone really really get to know me. They only go- saw what I projected and what I showed them, this yeah. character, this just avatar. And I, I would teach them how to love me. And it was like, well, I was almost signing people up to do this specific like um, dance with me or create this dynamic energy. No, you're right. So you're we're right. like dancing together and like just do crabs in the barrel. It's like, don't you start reaching for the rim? Like we're going to do this dance. That's what we signed up for. And both of us are in a, like basically a coma or a trance. We're just projecting our trauma avatars identity of each other. And then one person would wake up from it. That's true. And like, uh, like, like it's kind of like what I was saying, like where you, like I said, it's just the day you wake up and you realize like you just kind of go blank on everything of like the, like dance of what you're talking about. Cause like in my head, when I interpreted what you were talking about with the dance is like, say like a person, like I said, like if you had a person you used to always go back and forth with, I'll just call him K for this story. I had this girl K who I used to always go back and forth with. And um, it was like, it was annoying because we had class together and I knew every day I was like, okay, we're gonna argue about something and she's gonna try to like she's gonna try and embarrass me rather i go get a tissue wrong rather i go do whatever mm. and like i was like i just gotta catch her so it became a game where if i can catch her and embarrass her more than she embarrasses me throughout the day it's cool it's all fine and gravy <laughs> and like after a while we call that just by the way in this material we call this is so perfect like we call that getting into character 
Oh, like yeah. we're literally putting our little trauma avatar on yeah. when she's trying to get, you know, like, like, I know she's going to make me mad. I know she's going to pull some bullshit. I know she's going to get me mad and make me leave so she can recreate some abandonment scenario. Like, oh, of course. It's like, crazy shit like to that. To touch on what you were saying, like, the reason, like, I went from pretty much being, like, a person who wasn't fitting into, like, getting into parties and things, it was initially, it was from, like, okay, it was lying and trying to fit in. But then once I started finding, like, my lane and people, like, oh, I'm a stoner. Okay, I, I, these are my stoner friends. We do this. Like, Potheads always make it into the party. Come on now. So I was always able to get into like all different places just because I was able to go smoke or just do whatever. And yeah. it wasn't even like just like holding on to that as like the, like that's what the identity was. It was just cool that I finally like found like a lane. And so like once had I had started... a group of people, like how did you created a space in your life where people appreciated you and received you and accepted of course. you for who you we were. Actually had where a name. you were right then and there. We had a name for this space that started in junior year called CCG. It was a collective of me and my friends. And then a lot of us were the ones that really didn't low-key fit in. We like low-key didn't fit in. But when it fell together, we became cool because it was a whole lot of people nerding out on the same thing so it became a collection it was like whoa like hold on like they're on to something like they're they're doing something and so it was like i like to touch back on what i was saying about like mm -hmm. the girl i would go back and forth with so this i see K. her yeah, yeah, so i'm okay so like i see her at a party this is outside of school for like the first time whole demeanor is different because you know you're seeing them at, you're seeing them at school and it's quick to like when you're in a classroom setting like okay banter 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 but when you're okay, like I'm sitting here, I've got a joint in my hand and uh, like, we're like on even playing fields now we're outside of school. It's no worries, like whatever. And so like, I cracked a joke on her cause I forgot what she was wearing, but I just cracked a joke about something she was wearing and she cracked a joke at me back. And it became like that first flick in my head where I was like, Hmm, I've like been like, if I never really took the time to like fight back for myself, I wouldn't realize how much we have really low key in common. And also I started to kind of like develop like a sort of connection, not like like her, but like a connection of like, okay, now I have something to look forward to when I go back tomorrow. Like it, it was instead of me getting mad at like, okay, I'm gonna like, you're roasting me. And now I wanna like, like you said, like get in my blanket and just get upset and cry over it. I was like, no, I'm getting my notepad. I'm writing lines. I'm coming in and I'm gonna say this. And then like, oh, now we're dropping bombs on each other. Now we're cool by the end of the year what i this know is you and k yeah okay so basically in that moment because this is i was just want to bring it back to like conscious creator stuff yeah what you're describing is because we were almost like trauma conditioning each other to expect and wait for the shoe to drop or this like dumb thing this ritual to play out of like her making you mad and you guys fighting or whatever yeah and then basically you guys removed yourself from that pattern because the, the environment of oh, just yeah. being in class every day was just bringing that up and it was so predictable. You're like, Oh, it's almost three. It's time for Kay to do her flip out thing. And then you're outside of that. And once you were able to connect and crack a joke at each other and mm -hmm. be chill and outside of that pattern, the possibility of that was born. So there was a new possibility entered in with that. Like we just might be friends, which There's is a what, possibility. We went from literally like, Two weeks ago, you had me depressed and like in my room thinking I'm a loser to like, okay, we might just be friends now. Like well, and then building on that. And so starting to cultivate that possibility and helping you to nurture this new like conscious person, persona that you are like, that's connected to that deeper essence. In you. Yeah. And to like expand on that a little bit more Please. was after the party, like I remember there was a day in a, a class when, um, so she used to hate when people said the word like retarded, like that's retarded or retarded. Like, I never understood it. I was like, what's the like big offense? Like whatever. And so like, like I never really used that as a bomb to jabber, no matter how she made me feel, because I was just kind of like, 
whatever it is drives you to go like so ballistic. So like, it's gotta be something where it's like, like I know she felt trauma too because yeah. trauma resonates with trauma. So at the end of the day, even though I was hurting, I didn't want her to still feel like that same like pain, but I just wanted to at least be able to defend myself and not look like a loser in front of everybody. So I was able to just take little jabs. Now, somebody else, there was uh, another guy in the class, we'll call him Jay. So Jay goes, uh, he was like, I forgot, or he's like, sound, he sounds like a retard or something, like, because the teacher was talking, was like, yeah, but he just sounds like a retard. And so she stood up and got ballistic. And she was like, I told you, stop saying that word, like, blah, 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 and like, went off and like stormed out. And she was like, almost like fought him and everything. I was like, damn, what just happened? So I made it a point to talk to her like later and find out what was going on. Yeah. Come to find out she has a brother who is special, who is special needs. So that's why anytime someone would say you're retarded, it would literally offend her because she has a brother with special needs. And it made me think about like, I was like, you know what? The way that she was treating me probably wasn't even like, literally like she was giving me tough love, like in a sense, because never once, like when I thought back to everything, it was like, oh, she was never trying to really break me. It was kind of like a sense of breakthrough. Like yeah, 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 yeah. She was just like helping you kill off the parts of you that aren't serving you. Yeah. They're stupid. Like I, you don't want to say that. I would love to think there's no one in the world who wants to just truthfully break someone unless there is just really just like some crazy urge that y'all have like a backstory. But at the end of the day, there's no one like I can even imagine who wants to just like cause harm to someone like just unless there's ulterior like just some sort of ulterior motive, which I can't even think of. Exactly. I just this, these are thirty minute segments, so I, I apologize to be like um, I, know you're good. I just need to like pause one and then redo it because I think we're about that thirty minutes went quick, dude. Yeah, twenty nine twenty nine. My DPS <laughs> was right on point. Yeah, so I'm gonna stop this one. That's the end of uh, part one. Hold up for more on the trauma avatar with our special guest Java from Deep Dallas, Texas. Yes, nice, actually from the universe though. And we're back. Okay, cool. But um, yeah, to touch back on what I was saying though, so like when I caught up to her and like realized what was going on, that's when like it really hit me and I was like, damn, like we're not so different. And for some reason, whenever she said that, like that she was like, she has a brother who has special needs. My first thought was like, I wonder how she treats them. Like, I wonder if either she gives them the same tough love or if maybe she has to be so nice at home and take care and tend to them so much to where this is how her outlet is. Maybe she just likes to roast. She likes to do, she, I love comedy. Maybe she just, was, that's her. Maybe she just does dark comedy. And that's, your, you outlet. Catch, that's your yeah, outlet for exactly. it. She gives herself permission to do that with you because at home it's so intense. Exactly. Whoa, and bro. That's how I'm old at. are you when you, when you realized? Like, I didn't, I, I realized that in that moment and that was in junior year once I finally started getting more of a sense of myself, but I don't think I would have realized it if I didn't. Because bro, if, I was too, if I was too deep on the other side of like, I'm broken. I'm broken. I can't, like, I'm not, there's no way in this world I fit in, which I still have feelings like that, but it's like, that's kind of what I'm saying where I've always had that feeling where like my mom says I blend in everywhere. I can hold a conversation. I can talk to a lot of people and I can resonate with a lot of people because I feel like I'm an empath person. Yeah. But as far as me being able to express myself, like it's kind of like that feeling of like mentally where I thought like, where do I go if I want to just scream? Like I just got to go to the top of a mountain and just go scream. Got to let it out. That's why exactly. that day is really interesting that day. Cause I, I won't say his name, but there was a roommate that we had an intense interaction with. Oh uh, yeah. You know, and he came out and it was just the, the, the awareness wasn't there. And that's the only thing I was trying to check him on a little bit and not even hard check. But oh, sometimes yeah. that's the only way like some people are all in their own vibes. Sometimes. 
yeah and so like you just kind of like see where people are with their vibes and so sometimes you need to kind of boom like a little bit and it was a love punch but it was like boom and like like but it was it was very similar to what you're saying about that like and um i just the cheese just completely slid off the cracker oh yeah so I was, I was, but, um, but to hold space for that guy and then come back and say, look, you, we, we got you. Like, if you need to scream, if you need to let it out, you, you we relate with you, dude. Cause that's why we've yeah, we all need to hurt ourselves. For we so all long. need a minute. That's beautiful. And since you were able, yeah, that's so like profound to have that. I mean, I don't mean to put it in an age category, but when I was 13 years old in my consciousness, it just demonstrates how consciousness the collective consciousness of humanity is really speeding up yeah. and that people are awake and, and really children are probably like, I have my little eight year olds dude and, and they're very emotionally aware because they don't live in their trauma avatar. Cause I do see them, their mom and dad both see them and we don't, you know what I mean? We're just bringing that out. We're seeing them as they are. Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because they're identical twins. So genetically they look identical. And so there used to be a lot of competition with that. Yeah. But the more that I've, become me and started walking just in my own rhythm and my own vibration my authentic vibration from this like deeper part of myself i've been able to really recognize them and see them and also talk with their mom and she's you know we're both kind of waking up and we're having they're seeing us seeing them so they're not fighting anymore yeah. they're just focusing on becoming who they need to be like oh i'm an artist i'm a musician like i'm this i'm i'm empath i'm this but like they're figuring it out they're not like trying to like mold and be each other oh yeah me compete you know you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i grew up yeah, but, like you, but the fact that you did that like at such a young age because i was still just trying to fit in i was just hurting myself and the fact that you were able to grow at that age and then and then be able to hold space for her you know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful no, stuff. That's completely true, and that's what that's what like I realized like to kind of wrap like what I was saying Please. like what uh what kind of made me get in a shell and actually become I guess you could say popular and like I say popular in a sense of like not like being accepted by everybody. You being popular shouldn't be being accepted by anybody or being being accepted by by anybody shouldn't define how popular you are. The follower count shouldn't shouldn't define how popular you are. It's how well does what you're doing resonate with other people and does it inflict other people? Mm. And I noticed that whenever we had our little like mm. CTG thing going on, even though it was just like a collective of like my friends and like us just going like little house parties and like we had another like really good friend who would, uh, I know he doesn't mind me saying his name, so I'm gonna say it, Cole, he used to throw house parties and like he would, uh, like we would always go to his house and like he was like the the cool like the cool dude like he had the his, his parents always went out of town and like we would be like the VIP section and just sitting there just smoking and hanging out with him and just being at a house party and like I reason I got there was just being true to myself and just being cool with the people who I was yeah. cool with and like yeah. and instead of trying to like trying to fit in with everybody and try to get this crowd and being the in crowd and what made me have to leave Texas the final step was once I realized I was reverting back to that I was like when I was reverting back to try to being back in the in crowd that's when I knew there was an issue because I wasn't any longer following my heart. And that's mm. kind of what got me to jump on a plane and just go. Kind of jump into that blank canvas thing. Exactly. And, and that's, get back into so blank canvas. Like, yeah. Yeah. Pull a geographic. Yeah. That's what, that's what we call it. And I think that that's uh that's a that's a like what my friend in uh, when I was in San Francisco and I was in the height of my addiction, I was like selling, I just gotten robbed, like selling like three pounds of meth. Like, and I was like, just crazy. I was Rob Jesus at that point, like yeah. on the streets. And Brandy Ramirez, who doesn't mind me saying her name, she had a different name at that point, but she was 
she was saying she was time to switch up our fonts. Like when she would see a program van, she called them. So there'd be like this like box truck with graffiti all over it. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, that's the program van. It means it's time for us to switch up our fonts. And so we'd have to like leave the neighborhood. It was like almost like superstitious. Yeah. But it, basically, so you just like you just knew that you weren't going to play that dance anymore. And now you're out here because exactly. you feel like it's going to give you an opportunity to pull out your paintbrushes and create something different. Exactly. And what's funny is um, to touch back on like what I was saying with the ego death thing. Please. And, like me, uh, like, so I wrote out that whole paragraph and it was just untitled rant. And when our breakup happened, I just decided to just rush to the studio like the same day and record. And as I'm recording it, it's, it wasn't resonating how I wrote it because it was the passion on the paper wasn't just coming out. And my mm. friend Caleb was with me and he was, he was just like, bro, like calm down. He was like, you need to let your aggression out. You need How were you feeling inside of that moment prior to like, cause scattered. it sounds like there was a deeper level of surrender that needed to happen for you scattered. to connect to what you scattered. needed to do. I had this beat going and it felt like, even though I'd only heard the beat about like, I knew that like the night before I set up the studio, the studio time. So I knew I had to find the beat. So I just, I went through YouTube, like trying to search. And so I found a beat that just flowed perfectly with it. And then I was like, okay, that goes. I like that flow, I like that delivery. And once I got there to the studio, it just became a song. It didn't feel like I was getting anything out. And like, even he can hear it when he was hearing me recording, because mm. he was hearing what I was saying. He's like, whoa, whoa. But he, he kept telling me, he's like, bro, you need to like dive in, like calm down, like dive in. And I was like, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you. And I was like, hey, cut that, delete everything off the track. And I was like, I promise you, I shit you not. The next one after that, after he told me to dive in, I one take that whole song. There's a screen. Off the same, off the same, the, the, the one you found off YouTube. Same, the beat, same beat. Yeah, same yeah. beat, same words. Only thing that changed was, was luckily he was there in the studio and I, I needed that. He he could see on my face. I needed that mental shift to just like, bro, like dial in, talk to him. He's like, let him know how you're really feeling. He's like, you're, you want to record. You want to tell people how you're feeling. Tell them how you're feeling. Like, let it be known. Like, get your Oh, my God. Thoughts. That's beautiful. Yeah, and it's so, like, like the, the trauma avatar. And you basically grounded yourself and then you were able to give him like your real thing. Exactly. Like, part. Exactly. And so when I had the song all said and done, he was like, kind of just like, damn, like this, this is like he's like damn like even he like gave my co-sign like that's that's just crazy you and, killed um, it yeah exactly and um i remember i had to go to shreveport to go back home to go to louisiana for a little bit and um that's actually where i was born i was born in louisiana so okay. i went back to go see uh, my grandma and uh stay there for a little bit during the summer and the whole way i got that song just i'm playing it like i'm playing it and it's still untitled at the time and i'm just playing it non-stop in my headphones the whole way there like that's all i played for a three-hour drive and i'm like this shit is just, it's, it's raw. It's to the truth. I haven't heard anything like it. This is like an, when an ego death feels like, I was like, this is literally like what, and then I, it just hit me. I was like ego death. And I didn't even like know much of the word at the time. I just like, that's just the first thing that hit me. Like it literally like just kind of felt like a spirit just dropped in my hand. Like that's it. It's fucking and beautiful. I was like, the hell does that even mean? So I'm over here literally on Google, like uh, ego death. Like, does this mean what I think it means? I don't want to get a dumbass when I release this song. And then now I just fucked the whole message. Is there like a definition for ego death? Like, what did you find when you researched it on Google? I mean, I know what it means. I mean, I mean ego death is basically a, to like, like here, let me pull up the exact, I want to pull up the exact definition so I don't misquote it. But in a sense, an ego death is to like lose a sense of yourself and to, to develop a new self a new sense of self like a deeper higher level of understanding or yeah. expression too yeah ego death is a complete loss of subject self and identity the term is used in various interwined contexts with related meanings uh it's just a fundamental transformation of their psyche 
Okay. That's yeah. basically so beautiful. When I sent it to my friend and I said, uh, I dropped the song and like the, it was already out. Like I made the cut co- or no, I actually had some of the cover that I made and I made a cover with like Ego Death and like at the cover. I sent it to the same friend I was with in the studio. He's like, don't don't use that cover don't use that name they go think you're depressed i was like i don't give a fuck yeah this is me bro yeah yeah yeah, i was like uh, like i mean shit i am like what do you want me to like you want me to hide that i'm depressed for marketing value i was like i'm gonna put that shit out just like that and so uh sure enough it dropped literally like twenty thousand. like like but i want to acknowledge you because it's like from being the chameleon kid who's just trying to fit in and then going all the way from there to just you literally followed your heart on that. And it was tr- tough that with that last little moment, there's often like a pullback from that ego before it finally passes off the scene and lets you become like a more integrated, uh, authentic person. Yeah. It was like pulling you and you could feel that it was scattering you. It was like, it was like, it was like a kid trying to pull you back. Like, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Don't give it to them. Don't give it to me. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's cool. I got this. Come here. I got you. And then you were able to just sing it authentically with your heart and your soul and everything. And of it, course. And afterwards, like that kid became a man. Yeah, of course. And I, I, I kind of like, not of yeah. course. No, yeah. I mean, a lot of people sell their soul. We talked about on the way over here. I mean, a lot of people. That's like to to stay true to your thing, not to be like, oh, I got this beat. I think it's hot. I'm gonna hood up this person. Maybe I can get and put it in front of the thing. And next thing you know, we're just like doing this bullshit dance in front of some record producer just to like sell some things to get some money to get some ice to do whatever the thing is. It's like, no, bro. Like my soul needs me to do this. Or yeah. else I'm gonna fucking blow up exactly and i had no idea where i had no idea like mentally what i was like like i said like i was fresh like first graduation or fresh graduation from high school so i'm sitting here like what am i gonna do with myself what am i gonna do with myself and that was the first validation to see like damn like i already i graduated but like all my peers heard this basically and like more and i'm getting messages from people who are telling me like dead ass you like you just stopped me from killing myself like i got one a message from one guy he sent me a long ass message saying he was moments from killing himself if you didn't hear my song and i was like you can't like be serious and like talk to him and everything reached out to him dude was so serious so genuine like he himself is an underground artist and like i just, just told him bro i was like i'm i'm not anybody yet i was like this is my first song like this is literally my opinion like even though i've dropped other songs before then like i said those are just goofy songs these are my first this is my first real song and he was like bro like trust me you're gonna resonate just keep going and have you ever then, done like an acapella version of it without like the tracking just like... i have on myself i haven't like i haven't like recorded it or anything but i have on myself that's the only thing that ironically i don't listen to the song anymore because the what it does for me doesn't do what it does for everyone else i'm sure because everyone else talks about how it helps them and uplifts them it takes me back to that point for so sure i can't i can't listen to it but i can rap it out loud and like get the uplifting feeling so i'll do acapella like without without like uh the beat or anything every now and then like i'm in like the right headspace and, or like, have the, you ever just, just come to me yeah because there's, a, there's a, a genre that i'm developing called uh poetry acapella yeah and so it's basically um just kind of like what you described it's just like getting to the heart like instead of like finding the beat that matches like you kind of sing your poetry, like from your spirit kind of thing. And, yeah. Or you just say it. It's like spoken word, but it's like singing spoken word. No, exactly. And it's really raw. It's really like a, it's a level of vulnerability that's like um, tough for me. I started going to open mics and doing it. I've only done it twice, I think, completely natural i would i would go there like out being high on meth and just like it's interesting when i'm in my trauma avatar i would just like go around places and like sing to myself 
it's really sad. You know what I mean? Like I would like sing these songs and just kind of think like almost like playing like a crazy bum dude that like no yeah. one's gonna see or that no one's gonna like you know, like it's weird, like like the guy with the harmonica who sits by like the liquor store and he just sits there just very sad. That's the one ask, doesn't ask for change or anything. He'll just sit there and just play the harmonica. Yeah. Versus the person who is like right in front of like uh like we'll say grocery outlet and they're like, Hey bro, let me get some change and like using their voice who's more than likely to probably get a little bit of a refund at the end, someone who's using an outlet just to pass their time on the street or someone who's just forcing themselves that, hey, bro, let me get this, let me get this, let me get this. I'll take anything, five cents, this, that. Right. They're hustling. Like, they at least know, yeah, I'm on the street, but I need, hey, I need to eat, I need to eat. So a lot of people, I feel like, even though, like, yeah, I'm not, not to knock street performers, like, who really are homeless. Like, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of them are performing to make money and to still get an outlet and do what they want to do. But my thing is, it's like, uh, like, I feel like, if you hustle hard enough, like, I think it's crazy that some of the people on Venice Beach are more popular than some of your local celebrities. Like, people know the guy who's a magician who pulls, like, money out of an orange. People know, people knows, like, the guy who plays violin insane on Venice Beach. Like, mm -hmm. and how is he not on TV yet? How has he not been put on news yet or anything? But people are come by every weekend to come see the tumblers or things like that just for quick amusement. But they're doing it for... Of like they're doing it yes to put a smile on people's faces but they'll tell you themselves in their performance they're like this is how we make a living this is what we have to do, do. Like, we have to break our back every weekend to come out here and do these backflips like they're pretty much just like trying to see if anyone resonates with them like if, mm -hmm. like do you does this resonate like like it could be any day where america's got talent walked up on them and was like hey like come audition but they didn't get that that like little push to go do it they probably would never do it they'll just keep doing flips on venice beach the whole for the rest of their life yeah 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 that's kind of use that as an until idea. their body gives out exactly i use that as like an analogy done. like when you're doing it is it for a business purpose or are you doing it as an outlet and is there a way that you can use your outlet to actually be beneficial without selling yourself well and i think that's that dualistic thing the way of looking at it like the one guy is obviously like i gotta get more whatever i gotta get so i'm just gonna do this thing to get it and the other guy's like don't look at me don't look at me like it's almost i'll take it back to uh, my sister and I both growing up in similar traumatic experiences and like the one who turns the trauma in on themselves, they end up on the side of the road with the paper thing, like invisible, basically waiting for someone to give them a dollar, mm -hmm. silently demanding to be saved. Yeah. And the other person ends up in the White House. Yeah. Well, they control true. over all the crazy because the world's true. crazy, but it's the same trauma. It's the decisions we made in response to trauma. And I think, both are completely inauthentic and like that that like what's the middling of that look like in one lifetime because i have been traumatized i do have a thing it doesn't mean that i'm i'm I, you know uh, th there's residual effects of that that comes into play in my interactions and in me being able to receive blessings and stuff from the universe from god from my fellows i mean so and i do want to if you bring up a deeper question it's like as artists as creators it's like to have the proper motivation where I'm aiming at something in a way where I'd love for my music and my books to be sustaining me and my family. So I'm not because I'm indoctrinated into and I come from a place where it's like I'm just used to being a slave. Yeah, I'm used to, to being like someone tell, working for somebody like having someone tell me what to do and I work for them. And it's like or I've been on the other side where I'm just like I'm, you work for me and I'm going to tell you what to do. But working with requires a level of vulnerability 
and like people to have, know their shit and to be consciously aware. Exactly. Like sometimes you're going to take the lead. Sometimes I'm going to take the lead. Like there's no like whatever, but we just like, there's the end aim that we're aiming for. But the deal as creators is, is to like emancipate ourselves from, and I think we it, rather than getting into the reading, well, we have like 10 minutes, but like recognizing going back to the initial thing, we were both kind of like, eh, I don't really fit in with this. And I'm sure there's a lot, most people that don't fit in with this. Cause if we trace this back to the very beginning, there's a section in another book I wrote called reptilians, hybrids, and humans. Oh my. And so there's basically, there was like some really gnarly humanoids who have just like, all they want to do is dominate and control and fucking suppress. Yeah. And so you look at the Island of my fam, my family comes from. So you got Ireland and England on the same rock. English people are different than Irish people. Irish people sing and dance and they do all this stuff. And English people are like, you know, fucking, yeah, and I'm not making broad, broad generalizations, but no, they're, know, the, they're the least slavish group of people you're ever going to meet. They're very much like, you know, they came into our country and basically said, look, our cattle need to eat. Our potatoes are fucked up. We're taking your potatoes. You don't yeah. like it? Fuck you. And that, like, that's where I come from. Oh, yeah being watching my family start to death. My ancestors watching our family start to death because we didn't own the land and because they had the weapons or whatever the thing was. And so it's like, but that's that's a gnarly, like that's a gnarly, gnarly thing to come out of and to be born into and then to be able to come full circle and be like, but we're still creators. We're still beautiful people like the Irish people. I'm just giving an example of people like, like, where is the song and the dance? And do we have to get drunk in order to sing and express ourselves? It's like all that sorrow from all that stuff the, the, like that's been handed down like a bad set of loafers from one generation to the other. Yeah, that happened, dude. Like we were enslaved. There was a genocide that happened. A lot of us died, but that's not happening right now. And we have an obligation because really in our hearts, like, like in my heart, and I'm just going to talk about me, I can live in that trauma or I can live in like, my spiritual alignment and bring joy to moments. Yeah. But I can't do both. That's true. I can't, I don't think I, I don't think I can do both because if I'm still medicating and I'm not saying I don't have sorrow moments or moments where I, the melancholy of life gets me down or whatever else. But like when I'm actively trying to destroy myself because I believe I'm a victim and nothing's going to happen for me in this life, there's no possibility in that. That's true. That's true. And that's the trauma avatar for, for me and it, it manifests in a bunch of different ways so i kind of went off on a little tangent there. No, no no you're good i was keeping up i was keeping up um one point to touch on i guess like to give like an example please so being from louisiana and texas i got to see like the you know of course you're familiar with hurricane katrina right absolutely so when that happened was i actually came from from louisiana at that time um, I was in Shreveport. My mom was just a little bit protective and decided <laughs> to come from Texas to get me and uh, pick me up. And that's when I moved away from my grandma's house for the first, like the first time that going to Texas. So, like, well, first time that I really like resonate with Texas. When I, when I so you grew up with your Texas. grandma kind of in Louisiana to begin with for the first couple, yeah, for the first couple okay. of years for the most part. Like, and I mom, was, mom yeah, came I and got back you and later. Forth. Yeah, I was back and forth. So I was like in Texas. Like I was born in Louisiana couple things happened with between my mom and my grandma so i 
went to Texas for about a year or two until she had to like kind of send me back with my grandma for a little bit just because being a single mama was kind of hard for her. So, she was working some stuff out. Yeah, so I just, it's easier just to say, like, I was born in Louisiana, came to Texas, like, around, like, right around fifth grade, which is, like, basically, like, around what happened. So, um, the the day I left, though, to actually, like, come back and, like, come to school, I remember, or come to, Texas, to a Texas school, I remember her coming to get me because of, like, all the storms and everything going on. She didn't know how bad it was going to get. And I think something probably just clicked, and she was like, my son's out of state. Like, he's in a state with a hurricane. So she just came and got me. And that's kind of where I feel like my life kind of, like, hit, like, a little, like, tail whip. And yeah. I saw it was dope living from both sides because I was able to – I kind of transitioned in when everyone came from New Orleans. And so everyone, when they heard I was from Louisiana, it was just easier for me to just be like, yeah. Like, yeah, I was from yeah, I'm from Louisiana. So they just assume I'm from New Orleans. I'm like, I'm not going to sit here and just try to, like, do a whole Tell lot. Tell everyone like, Shreveport. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, like, geography lesson. So one thing with that, though, I say that to say, like, uh, there's a big rivalry between, uh, like, Dallas and Louisiana. Oh, is there? Mostly because you got to realize how many people came from New Orleans to Dallas and just – New Orleans is proud. New Orleans is strong as a like it and Louis. I'll say Louisiana as a whole is it's a strong, but especially New Orleans. Like when you're a city that gets hit by like water twice and reset. It's a biblical like, flood, bro. Yes, and you still build back from you still build back from that. You gotta show your strength and you gotta show like I came from that. And one thing is we have <laughs> the Saints. True. Yeah, you got, we have the Saints versus the Cowboys is like our number one beef thing. So you got like. These loud Creole Cajuns basically is how like everyone saw Louisiana people coming over to Texas, and you know the whole motto of Texas: "Don't mess with Texas." Everything yeah, yeah, in yeah, Texas. yeah, yeah. So it was a whole lot of just basically like rivalry between the two, where it was like, "Hey, bro, <laughs> come on, like, what's going on?" No, it's Cowboys Nation. No, it's Saints Nation, and it's like one of those things. Like to touch on what you were saying, it's like it was funny to me because I was that wave, and I got to watch that whole like transition of like how that really shifted a whole state. Because you have a whole lot of people coming from out of state to like have to, and you have to adjust. It's kind of like us living in our, like the house that we live in, like where it's a shared house with like a bunch of different people, a bunch of different backgrounds. You just gotta, you gotta figure out how to adjust with each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, everyone has a big personality, but you gotta still figure out how to be just as creative to you to your peak without disrupting the next person next to you and bringing them down. Yeah, the collective vibe. I feel that exactly. Yeah, and a lot of our points we talked about, like, kind of touched on that. It's like I feel like the number one thing that everyone needs to do is if you can. I always try to like, I like I hate two sided. It's funny because I hate two sided people. I hate people who can't pick a side. Uh huh. But I always see both sides. For so, sure. Yeah. I always can pick a side. But I always see both sides, no matter what it is. It could be the most crazy, insane, batshit thing, but I can probably still so get strive in, to see yeah, both of those. I can still those, get those, in that level points. and see what was going on and be like, "Damn, like, oh, like that's different, like, like, like not different even in a bad way." It's like, "Damn, you really like you think like that," and it's like, it's it's kind of like it's dope, it's dope, and it's like what keeps me going as a collective, at least, is being able to see we're all like incorporating in a, in a way like we're all leading towards one one big thing but we just gotta not step on each other's toes i think and so. find a way to uplift the next person to do something like how do you know the person who you were making fun of wasn't elon musk 
It's the only way I can put it. Like, right. And oftentimes they were made fun of and that drove them to become like the billionaire with exactly. the, the rocket like and Bezos. Then, like I wonder if like Bezos wasn't adopted and didn't have lazy eye, would he have like a cock rocket? He's flying around. Oh, no. The questions I, I wonder, the questions I wonder is I wonder if Jeff Bezos and I wonder if all of them still go to like their high school reunion or if they're just like, hmm, I'm too good for that. Or if that's one of the things that they look forward to the most is to go back to their high school reunion and be like, yeah, look at me now. Yeah. Because if that's the case, they're just back at what we were originally talking about, where you just got to feel the validation of being popular. And you're just like, look, look at me. Look Instead at of that girlfriend that he paid to get popular, he just went out and pimped out a whole thing and created this thing just to be popular, to come back to all the cool kids that like don't even remember his name from back then. Exactly. Like, who are all fat and retarded. I'm like, sorry. We're all fat and like dumb and like comatose. They're <laughs> just like in there, you know, like they're just not even cool anymore. Yeah, but yeah, that he's going back in there, and if like if he actually grew up and had a belonging with all those people from high school and had all those relationships or had that crew like you had with all the like the what was the name of the collective? Again? CTG. Yeah, the CTG. If Bezos had a version of the CTG, yeah, would would he have been driven as hard as he was to become like you know everything he became? You know, I I don't know. I don't I don't have any judgment on all that, but I just the more that I have had my unique like have authentic relationships with people who actually i love and who love me i'm not driven so much to get validation and have all these other things happen for me just me personally yeah exactly but when i didn't have any of that and i didn't have any connections to anybody and i was just living in that trauma avatar that's my whole life was getting a thumbs up or a like or getting some kind of like validation good or bad Right or wrong. And I want to also acknowledge, because I think what you were touching on, my like all everything that happened with my ancestry and all of our ancestry, I'm not ever going to close the door on it. And I think it's, 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 it, I, I just, I feel like integrating all that, like integrating all of the generational traumas and everything, because it, it's such a, it's such a sacred space. And it's where a lot of creative power comes from. And it's where a lot of like, um, I just don't want to say like, oh, that's bad. Does something like that happen to me or my 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 family or something like that? That's bad. We don't want to look at that. I'm saying all that happened and it shaped this consciousness that's sitting before you today and it's amazing. But to be truly authentic, that's not what's happening for me today. So I can draw upon those experiences from my ancestors and I can use that as a point of reference I, you know, that's not something I desire to experience again, but I, it's not something do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but I'm in this moment where nothing's happening to me. So it's kind of like, Oh, well, I can bring joy to this moment. I'm mm -hmm. not in, I'm not being threatened. I'm not like, no one's trying to exterminate me or do whatever. I'm going to strive to build relationships and community and collective consciousness with people who are in that vibration. That's true. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, like, remember the day that everyone got extinct like we're like you know and i'm sure it was a terrible event but like they all drive around with their flags and it's like armenian genocide day or remember when this or when this and when don't ever forget the twin towers like all these different things yeah. like have exploded and fallen apart and it's like well i mean maybe we do want to forget about that at some point no it's true i mean it's a point it's of true. reference but it it's comes, like it doesn't it, need to be in our consciousness it comes to a certain point where you're kind of you're like you hit it like right on the head and that's why i said like it's like you can once you learn to accept yourself you can accept the next person next to you because nine times out of ten when you're breaking down the next person next to you it's probably something you're mad at internally and you might be like yes like you breaking down someone you might be like with the feel they needed to like 
get somewhere, like I was saying earlier with the tough love, mm-hmm. but if the love's not there, you're just being tough. So that's my number one thing is like, I feel like if you have a sense of self, you can never really be like the type of person to throw someone off their track and you will always want what's good for the universe and what's good for people. Mm. That's my number one thing is as long as you can find a sense of self, you'll bring it out. You'll bring it out for someone else. Yeah. Have that deeper connection. Yeah. So I have, um, one, we have about five more minutes, but I wanted to just, I, okay. We had to kind of cut it off there cause it was the end of the hour, but I'm going to add this last little segment. And I just wanted to, um, Thank Java for taking time to Thank come you. down today and Thank sharing you. so earnestly and openly with us. Oh, of course, uh, thanks, thanks for having me. Thank it's you. a it's a blessing. It's a yeah. blessing to learn more about you and and to share your journey with us. And I just wanted to, you know, like, is there anything you want to let people know how to get in touch with you, to um, follow you? Because it's cool if we yeah. put a link to, e, to the ego death in the the podcast. If yeah, people want to listen fine. to it, that's fine. Yeah. So um, for anyone who's like looking for me and looking for my music, it's on all platforms. It's a Java Mob, J A V A M O B. No spaces, no anything. Um, you can find any of my music, uh, any of my social medias. The only one that's different is Java underscore Mob on Twitter. So other than that, I'll. I'll be there. I'm one of those people who usually looks at DMs and try to talk to you as soon as I can. So if you heard this podcast, you want to reach out, even if anything just hits you, hit me up. Awesome. Thank you, Java. Of course. And uh, for everyone out there, if anyone's in the Los Angeles area where we act, this is a very unique, we just started it last week. But we have these podcast broadcasts out of, uh, it's a Pathfinders Club. So we do 12-step recovery meetings here all day. And um, so there's an interesting format. There's an active participation table where Robbie's were in, engaged in dialogue and we just kind of give it up to, we call it a GPS, greater power than self, but we just kind of give it up to the intuitive like insight department and let them guide our conversations as best we can. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even open the pamphlet today and that's perfect. But uh, some days we'll do more of a reading thing. But the point is, if you're in Los Angeles, you want to be part of either the conversation or an active listener hit us hit us up here or at addressing the cause at gmail.com or you can go to conscious creators underscore la on instagram and that's it thank you so much for taking our of your life to to connect with us and i hope you have a great rest of your day thank you thank you thank you thank you